Like, if you're a caterer and you cater outside Lagos, it's like you're in another planet. You would not believe your eyes. Like, it took me, I, it took me a while to get used to it. Like, you put down your charger plates, everything, and then they're telling you, you know, the guests, because they're putting it in their bag. This is Business Fever NG Podcast, Episode 3. This is a podcast where successful food entrepreneurs in Nigeria share the success stories of how they built their brand and the lessons they learned along the way. Welcome to the show. Our guest today is Moji from Culinary World Catering. And I'm your host, Odomide from Barbecue and Cravings. Thank you for coming on the show today. I really look forward to hearing your story and how you built your, your very successful catering company. Um, and I'm sure a lot of listeners as well are curious to know, not the secret, but the hard work you put in to get to where you are right now. Good. So can you please introduce yourself and tell us um, how old the brand is and what your background is, like pretty much the genesis of the brand? My name is Moji I'm the head chef of Culinary World Catering. I started the business about six, six years ago, and I've always loved cooking and entertaining people, so I decided to make a business out of it, and so culinary work came about. So, like, what were you doing before you started catering? Like, were you working in the food industry before that, or you just jumped right into it? Oh, no, I never, no, I never did. I just jumped right into it because I've always been cooking but I worked in a bank I worked in an investment bank actually and then I worked for Legacy for a bit and uh, even though I used to cook on the side like maybe little get-togethers and small parties for my friends and uh, I guess my love for cooking just grew above what I was doing because my heart was, was into catering so I just you know I, Jumped right into it. Just take us back to that first moment where you said to yourself that I can actually make a living from this. I mean, I'm guessing you worked for a while. So, like, at the point where you were about to quit your job, what was that um, sign? What was the inspiration? What was the, that moment that you said, you know what, this is what I'm going to do now? Well, it was very simple. I remember um, I used to work for Lagos, and then uh, I used to cook on the side. And uh, people like they getting to know um, CWC. Not a lot, but I mean, I was getting jobs here and there. It was here and far between, by the way. And then one day, because I'd opened, um, I'd registered the company, I'd opened an account for the company, and then the food, um, the money from the business used to go into that account, and then I had my salary account, you know. So every day, I just used to wake up very early, like super duper early, you know how it is, going to work and all that. You know, in the midst of me complaining and everything, one day I just said, okay, do you know what? Let me, let me see what is going on with my my company account. And I opened it and I saw that I could pay my salary for like eight months. I said, okay, all right, this is it. Yeah, wow. I think I'm doing something. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So wow. Fact, first thing it was is, at that moment. How long did you do both? I've always been cooking. I mean, there are times, uh, I'll call it my pro bono years. I used to do like... Um, you know, if you're having a party, just call me and I'll come and cook for free. Like, I didn't understand that she actually could make money out of this, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Okay, so, by like, so, how long um, would you say, like, think, when, you took it, when you started getting paid for the catering? When I, yeah. And then you would still do your day uh, job. How long was that time frame? 
It wasn't too long, I think. Maybe a year and a half, too. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And you were very disciplined enough to put the money and not touch the money because most people, like, the challenges we have running side businesses is we take the money out and we, we use it for other things and we don't realize how much, you know, um, you're making. you're making or like what the trick you're probably putting too much burden on that business to not really understand that there's a lot of viability in this so i think maybe your investment background is or your numbers background is what kind of disciplined you to not touch that money because if you're using that money to pay things constantly you may never have seen yeah. it grow to that amount to say oh i can actually do this full time okay I really don't think it's my uh, background in the industry company. I don't think so. I think it's your love for whatever it is you're doing. Like, I love my business a lot. So anything there, like, you have to go through the suffering period. Okay. You have to suffer. Like, there are times you have to go without. Now, the thing is, are you willing to go without so your business can prosper? What are you going to choose first? Are you going to choose yourself over the business? Like, oh, I want to take myself on a holiday. I want to do this or... I need to establish this business, even if it means, you know, if I make a hundred naira, I'm spending 10 on myself and 90 on the business because you're looking towards the future. It's a brand you want to build. You want this to be around for a very long time. You have to build it in such a way that you have to suffer before you start enjoying. That's very So true. I don't think it has anything to do with maybe my background. No, it's, you have to, you can't be a caterer and not love what you're doing. The stress is, there are times that I sleep for 24 hours straight because I'm tired, <laughs> but the next day I'm up and I'm ready to go. Yeah. Like, that is the love I have. Sometimes I lose my voice. I can't walk well. I remember when I had um, a surgery on my knee, I was told not to, you know, move about for eight weeks. With my crutches, I was still going to my events. Oh, like, wow. you have to love the business, yes, almost as much as you love yourself. So that's why it's like making money out of your passion so you find your true love Not, oh i'm just doing this yeah that's it's good it. that's good it's, it's um basically. so my feeling with that is i think i'm very passionate about the food industry as well but sometimes it just beats me yes, up you and you, you tell yourself like at one point do you say enough is enough but then you wake up next when you, you're doing it all over again so i i think the balance exactly. between the the passion and understanding the business aspect of things and also the the markets and branding all that has to come mm -hmm. in in place because there are a lot of people who are catering as well but they're not getting the jobs they're getting they're not as well you know new presentation maybe networking maybe just attention to details so it's not alone yeah. it, passion is not enough to run any business it ignites the fire right but something must keep the fire burning you know exactly. so can you remember like how much it costs you to start up initially just a ballpark amount hmm this is interesting okay so now the thing is when I was still working, I I used to do this, uh, you know what they call it, Joe? At, okay, yeah. You know, yeah. yeah, exactly. So a couple of people in the office and I, we did, you know, we did. So it was my month to collect. And I was like, okay. So I'd been, you know, thinking about this. Okay, Mojo, I think you need to, you know, do this and just give it a shot. So I collected my Joe. And it was what? I think it was 600000 Okay. Then. And then my mom gave me some money as well. So we went to the market. I think everything I took to the market was maybe eight fifty. And I don't think I spent everything. Maybe I spent like 500000 I went to the market and then I said, okay, I want to do this. I want to at least let me be able to cater for 100 at the very most 150 people. That's what I went to 
Yeah, so that's what I... Okay. Um, okay. So yeah, there's, there's useful I, I draw money then. I mean, I, my staff do it sometimes. I just laugh at them. I'm like, okay, but I guess knowing what to do with the money is the... Um, is the key. It's the ultimate, yeah. yeah no. I could have picked it up and then done something silly with it, but, you know, yeah, I think that's it. Was this when you were going to do this full-time that you spent this money or while you were still doing your job and doing, like, the light catering, just like a... Well, I was still doing my job. You know, I was working when I was, uh, whilst I was catering as well. Okay. So I had to have something, okay. yeah. okay. Because it was, it's either that or you go and rent. And you have to bear in mind that <clears throat> if you keep renting, you're eating into your profit. So why don't you buy, like, stack little? <clears throat> if it's 100 people you can cater for, that way you're not dipping into your profit. So you can absorb, put no matter how little it is in the bank, and then it grows and then you can buy in bulk. Now we buy over, you know, 3,000 pieces of something of an item. But you have to be able to put money away. Okay. okay, I'm saving because I need to buy this in bulk. Not I want to uh, rent and make a little. Can you describe your your busy work week and your very slow work week? Um, busy work week. Um, yeah, we have events every day, or uh, we have a lot of events over the weekend. So you wake up in the morning, go to the office, start um, prepping, talking to um, decorators, event planners, and clients because they're always very specific about their table settings, their menus, their cards, and everything. Um, Yeah, we approve the menu. We have a meeting in the office as to allocation of um, staff for each event and the supervisor that is going for that event, everything gets sorted. Uh, the store manager starts arranging the charger plate and everything. Yeah. Uh, go to the market, come back, make sure we're on the same page as far as the menus. Like how much uh, involved are you in this process? Like, I'm by now you should have a team. I'm guessing. Um, are you? So, oh yes, I do. I, but I, so, are you more of the you just delegate now and make sure everything's going very smoothly, or you're still very hands on because you have to be hands on. I'm hands on because I love cooking, and I actually love the. Uh, if I sound crazy but I love the craziness that comes with it you know yeah <laughs> you're running out of school so we have to oh, we have wow. to stop with the deadline so I'm very handsome I go to the office I mean there's days I can take two days off I'm like okay I need to sleep and then once I'm at work I'm cooking I'm teaching my staff stuff we're going through new dishes and recipes we're just generally talking about the previous week talking to new clients Sending out proposals and stuff. Do you have a yeah. do you have yeah, a different team for the the interfacing with clients, or it's still like the same team that will go to the market, that will talk to clients, that will you know go to events and set up like, or you have different oh, departments? No. no, we have different departments, and then there's a team. There's a, the team that goes to the market is different from the team that cooks. The team that interfaces with clients is different from the people at the store. So everybody. It's all intertwined, but it's yeah. different. It What's the staff strength? Um, permanent, 
right now it's about 30. Okay. Yes, and then if we need more staff, we do that contractually. Yeah. Instagram has done a fantastic job pushing the brand as well, but obviously yes. the food itself is what's pushing the brand as well. So like, apart from that, what else, what have you done to make sure that CWC people know it as the premier brand for catering in Lagos? You know, I know you do a lot of highbrow events and everything, but like, how did it get to that stage and what have you focused on to build your brand? When I first started the business, there are some great Teachers and the women I used to look up to, and they were doing their thing. But the thing is, it was just the basic Nigerian and Oriental tissues. That's what you were finding. That's what you find everywhere. So I said to myself, "See, Moji, you're coming into this market. What are you bringing that these women haven't brought already? You know, because as it is, I'm still learning from them. So I said to myself, okay, you have to if you're going to do this the way you want to do it, you have to go it out of the park." And then I came up with the continental dishes. You know, that's your lobster, your steak, your chicken cordon bleu, the, you know, just really nice continental dishes that you could, that you would find at restaurants, you know, being plated right in front of you. And it was, it's a hit. And that was it. Wow. Okay. Um, do you have any, like, background training in, in the, like culinary school or anything like that or it's just all passion driven nothing I've not trained I've not done anything it's just me loving to cook and I cook every time I keep reading I read every day I practice almost every day like twice a week new dishes trying to incorporate new dishes um, things that will blow people's minds so I don't look like your regular caterer yeah. When was that point where you had, where you could pump your fist in the air saying, "I have arrived"? The point hasn't come. Yet. Oh, <laughs> you'd be very modest right now. I mean, you, you, no, you, I don't. Really? No. So, what would that point it's be? It's a lot. I'm still coming. I'm not arrived. What's the maximum you can cater? Maximum in a day, our cutoff is two thousand. You know, the old school last that they will just be tasting as I go along. Are you more scientific where oh. you, you, you're saying, if we're doing this? Oh, no, we're not. No, we're not. De- definitely not scientific. I mean, we let the Holy Spirit guide us accordingly. <laughs> <Holy Spirit. laughs> we're not. No, but we're how, not. Do you, how do you show consistency? Um, we're constantly talking to, uh, we constantly have like conversations where I tell my, um, and one thing I noticed, especially with my staff is, Sometimes when they make a blunder, just because they don't want to be shouted at or scolded, they try and cover it up by not speaking out. So I think I've devised a way of telling them, see, mistakes do happen. If this happens, let's know so we can, you know, do something about it rather than taking it to the event and then people won't call us for business uh, for businesses again or for business again rather. So... Um, yeah, constantly we keep tasting. Once you taste it and uh, taste it and something is not right, let the yeah, next person taste it. Okay. Everything must taste right before we leave. Okay. Like three or four different people taste food before each oh, wow. on the bus. Yes. Is there a way to have like a like a fixed recipe? You know, um, is it possible or maybe just 
I'm sure it's possible. Like a fixed recipe. Like a fixed, like a, yeah, recipe where at the end of the day, no matter how, no matter who cooks it, it will taste the same way every single time. You know, it's not, you don't have, yeah. you have to be doing, doing like a taste testing as you go along. Because sometimes, I mean, the people, everybody knows what they make. Different women make different things. So the person that is making the rice is different from the person that is making the fried rice. Okay. So it doesn't get twisted. There's a team for each dish. Okay. So if there's, even at that, you know, sometimes nobody's perfect. There'll still be once in a while that you'll be like, ah, okay, are you genius at this? So what did you do today? Yeah. What went wrong? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I've had guests come and tell me, Moji, what about the woman? I told you, I call you I'm like, really? Do you even know the woman? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because they can, and clients are like that. They taste every single thing, especially if they know your food. Yes. That yeah, that's true. They will not let you escape on that. What is your brand in the next five years? Owning a school. A school. A catering school. Yeah. Okay, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's very good. Yeah. Yes. You'll be teaching people how to do this. Yes, like um, I want to start something for brides to be and uh, wives that are trying to step up their game in the kitchen very soon ah uh, okay yeah. okay so it's not okay, really more like a yeah, catering so school like okay because i'm thinking no, 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 I'm that, this 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 is like now okay then the catering school is in like five okay years. Mm-hmm. okay that's good that's very good well let us know i mean when you do that i think that's uh that's very good <laughs> that's very good what has been the most challenging experience you've had as a caterer right now in lagos in Lagos. Well, and um, I'm sure you do other cities as well. Just general then, what is the most challenging experience you've had so far? Staff. I mean, every caterer goes through that. Like, that's one of the major challenges, the staff. Like, you can't trust people well enough not to go and misbehave. And you know when, how they say, oh, waiters, they're taking all the food at the party. They stole this person. Like, so, yeah, that's a major challenge. And then, um, plate, the ass is breaking, like we experience loss and breakage at every event. So buying those things back can be a bit of a hassle. Do you build that back into the into your costing? Oh, we can't build it because we don't charge for miscellaneous or damages rather in Lagos. You don't do that. Would you factor that into your selling price per plate? Is what I'm asking. Where you know that at some point this may happen, so you 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 factor you have a buffer in your your per plate cost. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. We don't do that. I I couldn't because uh, you were still trying to deal with people complaining that the food is too pricey, and then you now tell them things. That, of course, they know things will break, but. Nigeria as a whole isn't doing that. We're not ready for that. We don't do it. So, so what's your? When you have to factor it yeah. into your cost somehow. When customers tell you you're very expensive or you're so expensive, like how do you combat that? What do you tell them? Um, the problem I was I tell them first things first. Good food is not cheap, and we're not using. Um, 
for example, if you come and you say you want lamb chops and I give you the price, first, it's Australian lamb chops. Wow. That's prime. Wow. Exactly there. Exactly. So, those that know, know. I mean, there's a local lamb chops that people that you can get cheaper. I'm sure a caterer will come to you and say, oh, this is the price. And then you'll now be thinking, why is my difference? But the thing is, if you know, you know. By the time you taste what is on your plate, you know the difference. Which is why I came into the business of, oh, if it's continental food, there are no in-betweens, there are no cutting corners. You are getting the very best in Nigeria, well, in terms of catering, or nothing at all. So I try and explain that. And then also we have um, like 13 different menus. So, and when we give you, say, kindly pick um, your menu according to your budget or your preference. But you know, Nigeria, they will always go for the most expensive one or two. Be the cheapest way. Well, we try and combat that by explaining to them how expensive it is, and then we come to a compromise. Okay. What has been the worst entrepreneurial moment you've had? Hmm. Oh, wow. Traveling out of Lagos and, you know, not knowing how the village people operate when there's a party. They went away with everything we had. <laughs> what, does, yeah. what does that mean? Like, yeah. did, did, like if you if they're a cater and you cater out of Lagos, it's it's a it's a it's like you're in another planet. You would not believe <laughs> your eyes. Like it took me, I it took me a while to get used to it. Like you put down your charger plates, everything, and then they're telling you, you know, the guests because they're putting it in their bags, ready to take everything home. <laughs> <laughs> and they're telling you no the person that paid you people for this job has paid for all this so we are taking it home and there's nothing you can do about it oh yeah wow. oh you know where um, people are getting impatient and then they just come um, start dipping their hands in the cooler yeah yeah I can imagine oh yes so, eating pounded jam with curry it's, let me tell you why uh, I stopped catering I felt like I couldn't deal with uh, the chaos in the back. And um, I also didn't like the fact that you're sometimes competing based on price. Um, now, my, my I'm doing burgers, I'm doing fries. Like You can't tell me to serve at 7 and tell me to stop and wait till 8.30. You're worried about your servers trading food with other servers. You're worried about some guest yes. who is, you know, bribing your server to give him all the stuff coming out. I just felt like yeah. I don't need the stress. And I've had more peace of mind. You know, we do jobs where 11 o'clock is still there and I'm like, I have work the next day. You know, I got to go home and see my kids. Ah. You know, so oh, wow. it, it, um, it's not for everybody. And the folks who do it, hats off. Like you say, you enjoy the, the chaos. That's why you're thriving in oh, it. Oh, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm a local girl. I'm from Italy. Forget so, that yeah. one. No, you just have the energy because it's a lot of work. It's a lot of politics. Yeah. It's a lot of people you have to deal with from your market woman changing the price of tomatoes to uh, your driver carrying the food there and all that. So it's... um. Yeah. And to manage your staff as well. That's... A, yeah. Yeah. Your, your Alasse, just out of curiosity, like I'm guessing they're all women, right? Yes. And yeah, they all from a particular... Well, not not all old. 
Okay, not all old. Okay, are they all from like no. an area? Um, no, they are from different. It's so funny because we call them by their areas, <laughs> like Yashagun, Baja, Yashagun, this one. Yeah, they're they're from different places. Um, uh, there's some. Funny enough, I have I had a mom and a daughter working for me, cooking for me. Yeah. But the the mother is retired. Well, she's uh, what they call it, retired. Okay. Yeah, so they're all from different places. Okay. How do you build a team of cooks? Is it just word of mouth, or I'm sure that they don't have CVs. So, like, how do you um, how do you go about building a team? No, um, I ask some people, different people. Oh, do you know anybody that cooks well? And then yes, people just kept sending women to me, and I still do it up till now. Like yes, I'm all. All for people that can cook. So anytime I come across someone that can cook well and listens, because there's a way, a particular way that I cook that I always that I always teach my um, my staff. So yeah, if you can learn, we're good. What are the keys to success for caterer in Lagos or in Nigeria? Let's just know. Being very smart, um, putting yourself out there, and knocking yourself on the back. Being consistent. Being very consistent and uh, can you be a reclusive caterer? When I say reclusive, I'm saying one who does never. I know, yeah, never, no, no way. Wow, never. Wow, (laughs) I just uh, how much influence do event planners versus the actual clients have on you getting a job? Uh, how much influence? So, is, is it better for me to know the to know the event planner, versus better to know the client themselves. Who has a bigger sway in that decision? I'm guessing, and by default, should be who, who's paying for it. But event planners, yeah. I think they also have a lot of um, input. Oh, yes. In. After the clients, it's the event planners. Because the event planners, uh, they, influence the, the, they influence the, what are they called, the clients. A lot. They can be like, oh, I work better with this person. Oh, she does and there are times that they fight for you, the event planners. Very you know, true. They can make or break you. Like when a client is saying, oh, I don't like that, eh? Oh, Mao, ah, you have to use her. She's so, 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 so. If you don't use that, ah, I don't know how your party will be. Everybody will be scared and say, ah, I can't tell you who this person is saying. Yeah, so the event planners, yeah, next to the client is them. And sometimes even before the client, because some clients would be like, Call this event planner. I do not want to know anything. I just want to come for my daughter's wedding looking beautiful and everything should be shining. And that's it. You, the planners have taken the post of the branch of the bride because they're the ones in charge of the budgets and everything. So, yes, the event planners, they are up there right next to the client. So what, what how about the folks who don't know how to play that politics well or who don't know how to socialize very well? Can they still thrive? You know, because if the power really, to some degree, power also lies, a lot of power lies with event planners. But what if you don't like that event planner personally? Maybe they had a fallout. Maybe she asked for like extra prawns that you didn't give her because, you know, she had asked for too much. I'm just saying scenarios. So like, I'm just giving you an example. So like, like, um, what's the way around things like that? You know, um, uh, you have to be able to interact, simple. Because as it is, Olumide, I've come to your place a couple of times and I've seen you actually engage your customers. Like you talk to them. So that's the same thing. It's just a constantly returning customer. That's what the event planner is, if you get what I mean. 
So you have to keep talking to them. And um, if you have a fallout, I'm always about uh, this. It's your business. It's nothing personal. Except it is not about business. Call the person. Oh, this happened. I just want us to talk about it. And it squash it. Let business move on. Because you need money. She needs money. Everybody needs money. That's true. So, um, so far, you don't let things affect anything. And I don't think you have to be overly social because you don't want to come across as being too pushy or, what's wrong with this one? Who begged this one to come here? Um, at the same time, you have to be polite, you have to be cordial, and you have to at least maintain some sort of um, professional friendship with the people you're working with. Okay, good. What advice would you give someone who wants to start up right now? Okay, um, start small. Um, do you? Because right now, there are lots of caterers and everybody's just copying everybody else. They're getting inspired. And I think that 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 goes that cuts across, you know. Every 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 uh, product being every pushed. Business. That's yes, true. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean don't be afraid to take baby steps. Baby steps are good. They nurture you, they make you better. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. We've all made them. I can't even start counting. And don't be afraid to lose. The first couple of years you're not going to make money. You're going to sometimes be in debt at the very most. Is it yes. reinvesting or debt? You know, to, what do you say? Is it because you're reinvesting or is it because... Oh, no. It's because um, when you first start a business, you wouldn't know how to manage your funds. Oh, should I put more money in this or um, uh, portion control and basically getting things right? You make a lot of mistakes, especially when it comes to your accounting. But then they, 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 you you find a balance. Within a year or so, you make a couple of mistakes and then you just learn from the previous mistake. Oh, this is what I did that time. I will not repeat it for the next event. And that's, you know, you keep learning. Okay. So it, it has nothing to do with investing. What advice would you give your young self? You should have started earlier, Moji. Everyone keeps saying that. Yeah. And don't open an Instagram account. Yeah. Excuse you? What do you mean? <laughs> Why would you, as in personal or like business Instagram account? I don't have a personal account. Okay, account. Your, your Instagram account is fantastic. Like, I drool every I know, time. I know, I know why I'm saying that. Why too much business, Abby? Yeah, and I, I have a lot of people that have sent me pictures of, you know, maybe someone using my picture as... Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, you see, with that so, is... Yeah. You can copy something, but you can't really. If you don't know how to create it, then you're screwed. I mean, that's that's the ultimate exactly. thing. And, you know, yeah, the, that's, that's what my mom. Said. Yeah, and the worst thing you want to do is be a fake person where they say, "Oh, this is what like I paid for, and then this is what I got." They'll never use you again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so in fact, I even think even if so. So my take right now, as I'm learning a lot, is as much as our product is going to be above average or fantastic. That's not what we're selling. Mm-hmm. We're selling a story behind it. So if exactly. the two caterers, same food as you're serving, they'll choose yours because you have a better story, it's more authentic, and they see it. They see the brand. They see it. They, see it. they understand the process. Versus me just copying and pasting. And the food tastes nice. Yes. Oh, yeah. So everyone's <laughs> food tastes nice. I think there are a lot of other burger joints in Lagos. And the truth is, we all of us should have at least 
above average food. So when you were starting, were you able to talk to like other caterers or they saw you as a threat? Uh, I didn't talk to a caterer. I spoke to a caterer's, uh, a caterer's manager. Yeah. Okay. Would it have been better if you spoke to a caterer yeah. uh, directly? I would, would, would come as a threat. But you see, yeah. the other thing with that is, is that because people lack information? Like, I've always been very open oh, about my yes. business. And I feel like there's so much more we can learn from other people. So if they had seen mm-hmm. that the direction where you're going is where they need to go, then it's okay for them to have, you know, now you just have to, you'll just up your game. Competition to me, I think is fantastic. It means we get better. We're not mm-hmm. going to be the VHS or the guy selling CD-ROM on the streets when... Everyone has moved to like a cloud-based system now. So we need to see the threat. We need to talk to the threat. We need to see how it can also evolve. Otherwise, we'll be left behind. What has been the most valuable experience you've had so far? Everything has been valuable, like knowing how to manage my funds, you know, doing something for the business, always putting the business first before my worldly needs, knowing that customer is king being consistent everything has in there everything you said you like reading um can you recommend like a, a resource at a website or a book that has helped you grow either personally or business-wise i read multi cookbooks different cookbooks i get on the internet and i don't do a whole lot of reading i hunting um if i have something in my head that i'm trying to learn how to cook or find out about I type it on Google and then reading about it for like no problem alright Moji thank you very much for the time really appreciate it thank you so much if you like our show and you want to know more please check out businessfeverng.com share the link with your friends Leave us a review on iTunes. Join us again on Monday and on Thursday for a new podcast. Thank you.